Amen and amen. The steadfast love of God endures forever, as Devin read for us and now echoed in that beautiful song that the choir just shared with us, Jesus Does Love Us. And we hear that oh so clearly in what Luther calls the purest of gospels, the book of Romans. And so we come back there again today in Romans chapter 4. I'll begin reading in the 13th verse. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it is the inheritance or adherence to the law who are to be the heirs. Faith is null and the promise void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it's written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he also was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we go on vacation... My family and I love going on road trips, and one of the funnest parts about the road trip is staying at the hotel and going swimming at the hotel pool, right? And when the pool is closed, it's a a big loss. And especially when my kids were small, uh, I remember those great moments of standing at the edge of the pool, like a lot of parents have done, You know, with my arms out extended and say, go ahead, jump in, right? Now, some of my kids, I have to pay close attention to. Because if I'm not looking carefully, they will be flying in the air before the words can come out of my mouth, right? And then there are some of my kids who uh, take a different tact. They want to know that I am in the right position. I'm not too far from the edge. That my hands are actually extended and that I'm really paying attention to them uh, before they jump. There are all kinds of leapers, right? 
What kind of leaper are you? Now, sometimes when we think about faith, we think of it like standing at that edge and taking a a leap of faith. And sometimes, myself included, we misconstrue where the power comes from for that leap. We think that the power comes from the legs jumping off the ledge. But as we heard last week, it's the Holy Spirit who makes us believe and gives us the power to do that. You see, the power does not reside in the leaper. The power resides in the one who's going to really be there to catch us. What makes faith possible is that God is there with his arms outstretched for us. He keeps his promises. The power resides in the one who has the capacity to keep the promise. Grunwald put it like this, on the cross, our worst becomes Christ's and his best becomes ours. Our worst becomes Christ and his best becomes ours. And we know it doesn't stop there that the, as others have said, the Christian faith is about new creation. The Christian faith is about new life. It's resurrection or it's nothing. And the definition that we get for faith in Romans 4 today is very much a resurrected faith. It's the example we get not only here in this text, but going all the way back to Abraham. And so we find that in faith alone, in Christ alone, in his word alone, this promise comes to us. And he comes to us in this promise through one family. Now, Star Wars fans will know that that story is all about one family in all nine movies, right? In case we doubted where that kind of idea might have been influenced by, we find out in the Bible that God has been at work in one family as well. And so to really understand Romans 4, we're going to have to go back to the prequel. And that is in the book of Genesis. And in fact, he quotes Genesis 15 today. And we'll tackle that as we find out about this one family that God has been faithfully working through and keeping his promises. A family he now says and grafts us into as a part of it. But God works in a way that we don't expect. One author put it like this, a preacher long ago departed from the truth of the gospel, told the story, a story you might see on a meme, a story you probably know well about, you know, the frog who gets stuck in the bucket of milk and can't, by all his might, jump out. He can't seem to leap out. But he paddled and he paddled, and voila, that milk 
got thicker and became cream and eventually harder. And by keeping on and keeping on and keep trying harder and keep paddling, eventually he could leap his way out. His motto might be, as one person put it, and it's something we might be more comfortable with. He got his salvation the old-fashioned way. He earned it. This computes for us. This makes sense to us. This idea of keep on, keep it on, keep trying. And sometimes that's what we think of when we think of Abraham. Well, he kept following the Lord. That must be the reason why it was reckoned to him as righteous. Even some Jewish scholars in the Mishmah were wrestle over this. And sometimes what we do is, is we realize, well, we can't do it. We can't, we can't seem to leap our way out with our own strength. So what we need to do is just lower the size of the, uh, uh, of the pail, lower the bar. It'll be good enough if I just keep trying. I'll be good enough if I try really hard. See, that just makes sense to us. But that's not the gospel. It's not what God has given. It's not how God has worked through his people from the very beginning. It's, it's not even the family that we get for him to work through. Because this family, Abraham and Sarah, I mean, reckon to them as righteous? Them? Really? I mean, I know he left his homeland to follow the Lord, but I mean, haven't you ever wondered how God worked through Abraham? I mean, this guy who would tell leaders, oh yeah, Sarah's just my sister to make it better off for himself. Or this guy who, after getting this promise of an offspring that he did believe in, None too long later, he thought, well, well maybe God wants me to, to keep on paddling and do it myself. And so he gets together with Hagar to try and make the promise work for himself instead of waiting on the Lord. This is the guy that's reckoned to as righteous. This family, this is the one we get. And yet... It tells us something about faith, isn't it? That this gift of faith that is reckoned to Abraham as righteousness must not be based on his perfection. It must not be based on his ability to follow the law. Remember, faith is based on the ability of the one who is able to keep his promises, whose hands are extended, who receives us, makes the catch. Martin Luther talked about faith as being one who listens to the instructions of their doctor. They might not be well yet, but they have hope that they will be well in the infirmary because they're following that word. Abraham may not have been well yet. We may not be well yet, but we have faith in the word given to us. And you and I are grafted into this family. In fact, we're told 
in Romans chapter 4 that about the faith of Abraham and the faith of David. We know some of his great highlights. And even the faith of the Gentiles who he referenced in chapter 1 and the debauchery and the, the counter to creation of unfruitfulness. And now God, as he gives us his righteousness, it's as if I picture it with Jesus' outstretched arms on the cross, reaching back into history, into Genesis 15. And right here in chapter 4, we see him completing that promise. And that outstretched arms goes into the future, into the future promise of eternity into heaven. And this gift, these arms of God outstretched for us, he keeps his promise. And so he tells us how that promise is kept through this gift of faith, imputed to Abraham, imputed to us, in this churchy word, imputed righteousness, it just means that he's filling up our account. This word that we translate reckoned to logismo in Greek shows up 11 times in this chapter. It's a word, a financial image of depositing into account, of commercial dealings, of charging the debt for. Even includes in some cases the the recognition of character and obligation, all being filled up by what Christ does on the cross and what he completes through the resurrection. So where does the power of faith come from? It comes from God's faithfulness. The human examples we get, let's face it, they were failures. Luther puts it this way, the righteous know that they're sinners. And so they lived by faith to be sure. But the power of that faith wasn't their power, it was the gift from God. So why are we spending so much time all these weeks coming back to this definition of faith that the righteous shall live by faith? I like how Calvin puts it to explain why. An open door is what we're given in the book of Romans. An open door to the most profound treasures of scripture. So that our covenant with God might be sealed. With Jesus' outstretched arms, he's filling up and completing these promises. Not unlike he did with Holy Communion at Passover when he filled up the remembrance of that first exodus. And now he completes it with even deeper and more transcendent meaning. The word, God's word, Christ does everything. And guess what we do? We receive what he has filled up because his arms are there for us. So what kind of leaper are you? Are you ready, fire, aim? Are you investigating? Are you making sure that, that Abraham really did have a son? He did go from death to life. 
His body, which seemed dead, and Sarah's barrenness seemed impossible to bring about what the Jews would understand as eternity at that time. And now they know in the fulfillment of the Messiah, death to life, barrenness to life. Isaac was really born. A nation was born. God kept his promise. God keeps his promise to us. We can see that in the evidence for his death and resurrection. As one author put it, uh, faith, as some people think, uh, as a leap of faith has to be without reason. And some think that uh, reason without faith, what we often call rationalism, is the way to go as well. But biblical faith is a composite of the two. It's, it's more filled up than that. Abraham didn't have an unreasonable leap of faith because he could see that God is the one who could keep his promise. And so this new life that God gives us is fulfilled by faith. A faith whose power comes from the one who keeps his promises. The outstretched arms on the cross. The new life in the resurrection. This creates new life. We have a new calling. You can't help but share this great news. I mean, if you go to a new restaurant and it's wonderful, you can't help but tell your friends about it. How much more can we not hold back in every corner of our life about the God who keeps his promises with this gift of grace. And we'll hear in the coming chapters more about how this new life gets lived out. So friends, what kind of leaper are you? Faith has been filled up. On the cross, our worst becomes Christ. And his best becomes ours. It's a resurrection faith from death to life. Become part of one family, God's family. And God is holding his arms out to us. The Holy Spirit is making it possible for us to jump. And so I invite us all today to take the leap of faith. Amen.